Let's, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for all that you've done already this morning in our hearts. We just open our hearts to you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the teacher of the church. You are the teacher of the church. You are the one that leads us into all truth. And so we incline, we incline the ears of our heart to hear what you have to say to each of us, to me. We thank you, Father, that your word never returns void, that it is the incorruptible seed. We thank you for that, Lord. We receive that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, um, Lake Haven, we say it often, but Lake Haven exists that all people everywhere would intimately know God. Intimately know God and experience His unconditional love. That's why this church is here. Jesus said in John 17, 4, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. It's about knowing Him, an intimate relationship with Jesus. We are, this is not a religion. If you're online or you're watching this online, or you'd, I'm sure if you've been coming here any length of time, I am opposed to a religion. Re a religion is not who we are. If you reduce this to religion or traditions, you will nullify or make the Word of God to have no effect in your life. But, but if you connect with God and you use what the information and that use what we teach and you, and you allow it to be built into your life and you come to, into a living relationship, you can experience this eternal life, this abundance that Jesus came to give us, right? So, I mentioned this last week, and I, I, I said it with a little bit of a shock factor that, that Lake, Lake Haven isn't here to save people. And I meant we're not primarily here just as an outreach center. We're not primarily here just to preach the gospel so that people can be saved. Now, we are here for the Great Commission so that the world can be saved, but a church, a church, a body of Christ has got to, it's here to equip you, the believers, now, if you're not a believer and, you have and you've walked into the church, church, praise God. Thank you for whoever brought you. May you connect with God and get to know Him. We will absolutely, you will absolutely can get saved here. But the point of a church is not that. And I'm going to read this from Ephesians 4. Just for those, some of you know this, this, this scripture really well. He gave in verse 11, Ephesians 4, 11, and He gave, the, he gave um, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Listen to verse 12 to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. He gave these five gifts to the body to equip the saints. Who are the saints? So you've got to say, I am a saint. That's hard to say, right? Especially if you come from Catholic background. Seriously, they have to jump through a lot of hoops to qualify. I see that there's a big move now to get one girl that passed away some time ago to get her sainthood. And I'm not trying to mock that in any shape, form, or fashion, but the truth of the Word of God, according to the New Testament, is that if you're born again, you are a saint. That is what the Word of God says. You can't get around it. We, you know, like, you know, never mind. <laughs> but it's to equip what? The saints for the work of the ministry. We are all saints. And we do the ministry out there. We are His ambassadors. We are His hands and feet. We are salt. We are light. We are to be equipped here together by the fivefold officers, by the apostles, by the prophets. And we have all of them come by here. We have, a, we have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. 
all of them, to equip us for the work of the ministry, right? And then it says, for the building up of the body of Christ, the edification. It's that the whole bod- this body can be built up and the whole body can be built up until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature, say mature, mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Anybody arrived? Anybody full right there? Me neither. So that we may no longer be children. So he contrasts, the parent puts it right next to each one of them here. He says, so that we can become mature, reach mature man, that we no longer are children, tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Listen to this. By human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. No, there wouldn't be people that would do that, surely. Hmm, yes, they are. There's religion out there that is deceitful scheming, cunning craftiness that can blow there. There's teaching out there. We've said it many times. The traditions of men will make the Word of God no effect. We can so subscribe to these things. And so, it's, so we are, all of these things bring us to maturity so that we aren't going to be blown around. Our doctrines are going to be firmly established. Amen? That is the point. That is the point of growing in Christ. The point of, of a church is not just to come and show up and sing some songs and pay some money and then go your merry way. It's to build into a relationship with Jesus, to, to encourage one another and to grow in this experience so that we can do the work of the ministry, that we don't get blown around. I'm telling you, I am amazed. The, the, the older I get, the more experience I get, just how much nonsense is being taught in the body of Christ. And I'm not saying that some of them aren't going to go to heaven, or pro- most aren't go- are going to go to heaven. I'm not, that, I'm not making that judgment of who's going to heaven. That's in his, the judge's decision. But there is deceitful scheming. There is confusion. There is a lot of stuff that are, I was like, what? Have they not read the Bible? And that's exactly the point. We don't read the Bible. Uh, sadly, and so, in any case, I could go, I could go into that, but, but that whole scripture in Ephesians talks about how that each joint supplies and, and how we, it's, we're speaking the truth in love, and, and, and this whole thing happens within this boundary of love. Now, you, you know that I'm, I'm, this is part three that I'm speaking about in Victorious Living, and, and, and we, we, we went through um, in two parts. I, we, we, I try to lay a bit of a foundation in the first two parts of where we're going to go. It's an essential foundation um, because, because in, in, in the first one, we spoke about the love of God. And it's always the, the context that you have to understand is not that there is a love of God. It is that there, God is actually love. Love is who His nature, His character is. God, love is God's primary motive. It's, it, it's the reason He created us. Do you know that? God didn't create us for entertainment. He didn't say, hey, let me make some toys so I can play with them. I'm bored. No, God is Jehovah. He's the self-existent, self-eternal. He doesn't need anything. He doesn't need your worship. He doesn't need anything because if God needed anything, He wouldn't be God. But He is love, and because He loves, He gives. For God so loved that He gave. And so the primary motive and intention for love is to give. And so the, the, he, he wanted somebody to love. You and I are blessed 
to be the object of his love. That's why Song of Solomon's is in the Bible, by the way. Yes, that strange book that talks very romantically. God is totally enamored with you, and he wants to be in love with you. He has always reached out to man. Even when man fell, he was seeking Adam. Where are you? Where are you, Adam? You see, but man got lost. Man got corrupted in his heart. As soon as he ate of that fruit of mistrust which, and, and the knowledge of good and evil, as soon as he trusted the, his Satan's word rather than God's word, he felt, he felt this, this separation, this death that he started expl- explaining. And that, I mean, there's so much in that. God said he will surely die. Surely, surely. He will die, die. If you go and study that out. But did Adam drop dead? Nope. He wasn't talking about a physical death. Yes, he would ultimately physically die. But he came. And and so Adam, Adam had this death. And so what? God has had this project over the ages to restore relationship, which will culminate finally when the body of Christ becomes, is the bride of Christ. Is, is, is in heaven with him, and we, we have this glorious eternity of ages to come, and the marriage supper of the Lamb, and all these beautiful illustrations of the fulfillment of what God has intended. It's powerful. But if we don't understand that God is love, if we don't understand his intention, now listen, I know I'm going, I'm touching on some things because I feel I have to sort of tie the paradox of love and fear in today a little bit, so, so just go with me. But, but, the, but, God, but God has got this intention, and, and, and what he had to do, in, in, it, he had a pathway from fallen men. It's a, it's a, it, it, he, made a, he made such a beautiful way back to him. And, and so what, what we see, though, is, and you heard me say it many, many times here, that through the prophets and through, uh, it says, and through the, the, the prophets and so on of the old, he had revealed himself through his, his law and through his word. God had, ex- had, had expressed himself um, to mankind. But mankind didn't get God's character. The things that I'm saying to you now, they didn't get it. In fact, the things that I'm saying to you now, how many of you have heard it in another church? Did you grow up in a religion where you heard about where you heard the passion and the love that God loves you with. I know I didn't. I've heard the technical term, God loves you, but it comes with a but and a provisio. And so Jesus comes and, and they didn't even, his apostles didn't even understand him. Yet we're told, Jesus, as I said, I've said it many times, Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. He is the exact representation of the Father. That's a big deal. Because you see what... <laughs> You saw it in the apostles when, and I read it a couple of weeks ago in, in part one. You see the whole story in Samaria when they go down through Samaria and the apostles are like, ready, okay, let's do the Elijah thing. Let's call down fire and zap him. Let's burn him out. Right? Because now they think, these apostles are probably thinking, yeah, we're being real spiritual, you see. Jesus, you should be impressed. We've been reading the Bible. We know all about what Elijah the Tishbite did. We see how when, he, then when the king sent, when Ahab sent 50 men to him, how he called fire down and burned them up. And then when they sent another 50, he burned them up too. Well, and their leaders, so that's 102. And when the third set of 50 came, the guy said, gee, I'm just doing what the king told me. And so Elijah went with him. But I mean, these guys, these apostles are walking with Jesus, and he, they think, man, they've done a disservice to Jesus. They have shown, they have shown Jesus disrespect. Let's just burn him up. 
because we're going to be like Elijah. Praise God. We've got the prophet, the power. We know our stuff. We're going to pull, call down hip, fire from heaven. And Jesus says, you do not understand what spirit you are of because I never came to destroy men's lives, but to save men's lives. And right here, we see an example of how people haven't have rightly divided the Word of God. We have the siloed interpretation of the Word of God. We've gone through Old Testament. I know where I grew up in the, in the, in the denomination I grew up in. Man, you could bounce from New Testament to Old Testament, back to New Testament, Old Testament. Eventually, I was like confused. How? How? How do you understand? How do you reconcile the, the power of God? And how do you under, reconcile? I hope those have been thoughts in your heart because they should be. In your pathway to maturity so that you're no longer blown around by any wind of doctrine. But you see, Jesus comes and, he's, and he, he shows us the very truest, purest form of God's intention. He shows us, he shows love. He, he, you know, the woman, which I read again, the act of, caught in the act of adultery. Or the prostitute that Simon says, oh, you should know. He th- just, well, doesn't say, he, just, he thinks in his mind. He says, man, if Jesus was really a prophet, he'd know how sinful she is. And you could go and look at the Old Testament and what the law did and, and so on and so on. But Jesus had to say, guys, you don't understand the character of God. And, and so we get the privilege, you and I, sitting in the New Testament, even in Jesus, even the apostle, the 12 apostles, they were only starting to get a glimpse. Even after Jesus left, they were starting to get a glimpse. Thank God we have, whew, we've got such paradigm and perspective now. Because we can go to His Word and we can study His Word. We can see the plan. We can understand the covenants. If we apply ourselves to te- the teaching, we can understand the covenants and we can see, oh, okay, so that's why God had to do it that way. That's why. But, but you see, but again, if we get siloed, if we get, if we, you know what I mean by siloed interpretation? Does that make sense at all? It's like you try and understand the whole of God by one little story. In other words, you go jump over to the Old Testament and you use Elijah the Tishbat calling fire down and burning up the prophets of Baal or, or, uh, or David going and decimating a city and you say, okay, well, that's the character of God. So God kills and then you go and you see that Jesus. And then no wonder you get these ideas in the church like God the Father. No, God the Father is the mean, angry one. He's about to fry everybody. And then, and then Jesus is the sweet, kind one who comes along and he's nice. And, and, and you, know, you know, he's got the little lamb, the skinny guy, the lamb under his arm. You know, and he's like just smiles all the time and he's sweet. No, they are the same God. Exact representation. So siloed interpretation of the Word of God, you start getting all crazy because if if you take out any part of the Word of God, Genesis to Revelation, you are going to have a partial understanding of God, a half-truth of God, if you will. And guess what that produces? Nothing. Nothing. But thank God you come to Lake Haven, (laughs) where we're going to teach you, and it's going to take a while. 
We commit, we, it does, it's not going to come with one Sunday or two Sundays. It's going to be camping out. And, and, and it's, going to be, it's going to be having a decision to be a disciple where you're following what Jesus is saying. Where you, where you, where you, where you, you know, we've, we've spoken about what a disciple is, and a disciple is, is one according to what Jesus is in, in John 6, 31 and 32, who abides in the word. He or she will know the truth, and the truth will set them free. But that's the disciple. A disciple is somebody who's going to abide in the word of God. And you know what? If you've got questions, you should have, because your three and a half pound brain doesn't get it, neither does mine. But if you've decided the Word of God is the Word of God and it is truth, if you've made that choice, then you're on the pathway of discipleship. Because then ultimately you will get more and more and more and more understanding. And as I said last week, from grow from glory to glory to glory to glory. Your understanding should grow. That's what should happen. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm sorry if I'm making you mad. I really don't mean to make you mad. Yeah. You see, when, when, when the Word of God, in fact, we, we talk about the Word of God. The Word of God, as, as, as you, you, you know, there was this thing. I don't know where you grew up and, and heard this thing. Oh, well, there's two words for the Word of God. Word, logos, and rhema. And you know that, right? You've heard that maybe in some church before. The Logos, and this is how it was told me uh, originally. I thought, oh, well, the Logos in these scriptures here is the word Logos, and the Logos is the written word of God, and the Rhema is the spoken word of God, or, or it's the revelation word of God. Well, that's not accurate at all. So it's, it, there is actually, the Logos has got to do with the entirety of who God is. It's His logic. It's His character. It's His power. It's got everything to do with, with, with who He is in, in, in the wholeness of His scheme. So logic, wisdom, power, character, all of that is encapsulated and more in the term Logos. So when you understand God from, oh, wow, He is this eternal this eternal being. In the beginning was the Word. He, there was the Logos. He was with God, and He was God. In fact, that's the same one who sh came and showed up here, and we named Him Jesus. <laughs> okay? So, so understanding, hold on a second, God's motive, His intention, and even as I said in the first week, His language that He speaks is a language of love. Now, if you don't understand I don't, not so sure. I, he might just burn you up. You will not understand the scripture because you are not choosing to believe when God says God is love. You're saying, eh, I'm not sure he's love. Because your, your, your belief system is clouded. Your heart is clouded. So your belief system will not understand because he's going to be speaking love, as I illustrated, and you're not going to be hearing love because he, that's the language he is speaking. So then I did that. That was just the love piece. Then I came in the second week, and I threw another spanner in the works, as we say, or what do you call wrench here? That's right. Sorry. Wrench. And I said, I spoke about the fear of God. And I said, okay, now the fear of God is that reverential, it's that, it's, and as Norman heard, it's that reverent, it's that awe, it's that respect, and it's not got to do with terror. But, but... Fear is a powerful thing, and fearing God is a powerful thing because, 
there's this scripture over here. I wanted to pull this out here. I'm going to jump to Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace, praise God, by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Man. Well, okay, sorry, my, I don't know which one I mean. I don't know why my, oh, I'm reading out of NKJV. Sorry, Jen. So I'm sorry, but it's, it's reverence and godly fear or godly awe with reverence and awe. And then it finishes off that verse by saying, this is New Testament, people. Our God is a consuming fire. Wow. Our God is a consuming. This is talking New Testament. Now, I have a friend. You know Carolyn, right? I've known Carolyn for years. <laughs> Carolyn always used to say, smile. Our God is a consuming fire. And I thought, that's a great T-shirt. We should say, smile. Our God is a consuming fire. That the truth of is that, that we, we have very little understanding about how great God is. He is truly awesome. He is truly, when you, when you see the greatness of God, I don't even think it's fear. I think your knees buckle and you kind of melt into a little bit of a puddle. Because what you're seeing, you're seeing He, he is the one that spun the universes into place. The universe or all the galaxies. When you talk about, you know, when you see how great is our God by, um, what's his name? Uh, I can't think of it now. Louis Giglio. He did a, how great is our God. He did that video just talking about the greatness of God and the, the, the different sizes of the sun on Arcturus and Antarctica and all these suns that they've been named. And how small our little baby dwarf sun is compared to these massive suns. And our, and our sun is a dwarf star and our dwarf star is a million times bigger than Earth, and it takes light eight minutes to reach us, and blah, 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 blah. But when you go so many light years, and just our galaxy alone, the Milky Way galaxy is X amount of light years in its, in its diameter. But, but there are countless other galaxies out there, countless other suns in our galaxy and in other galaxies around there. And you're like, what? This is our God? He spoke them. Just with a word. When you see the power of God, He is an awesome, He's a consuming fire. You see, He doesn't deserve to be brushed off like He is nothing. He is awesome. Then, when you see, hold on a second, here is this awesome God. But He loved us and sent His only Son to earth, the little blue planet. In this galaxy? Yes. This is how then we get, we get context to how special we are. We get context to how great He is. And when you understand His greatness and when you understand that His name, whew, don't get me started on His name, when His name is faithful and true and He can't be anything but what His names declare, then, 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 then your doubts disappear. They cannot they get incinerated because how can my, my salary this month be any trouble for this God who created Arcturus? Because I fear Him, I fear nothing else. I fear no one else because I fear my God. And I have a reverential awe. My, it's like, are you kidding me? 
There's nothing. And as you walk in a greater understanding from glory to glory of his awesomeness and and your reverence for this awesome God, it's just like, wow. Fear disappears, people. It melts away. Fear sickness? (laughs) Why should I care? But you're going to die. So? Big deal. Oh, I'm so afraid I'm going to die. So? All you're saying is you do not know yet how great your God is. I'm just letting you know that in contrast with, I mean, when you see him in perspective, which we can't even do, we can only keep growing in perspective. Keep growing in perspective. And then he says, being rooted and grounded in this love, right? In this love that knows no length and depth and height and breadth so that we can be filled with all the fullness of God. What? It's, I wish I could do that blue-purple thing where your head just pops open. It's like, that we can be filled with the purpose of God, that we can be one with God. It's mind-blowing, people, that God, Jesus said, I want them to be one, just like you and me, God, like in there, like before the heavens, like that we're going to be one with them. That is mind-blowing because we're established on the love of God and, the, and we understand what it is. We're getting a glimpse of just of, of what it is to fear Him. This, this fear, I, I love this scripture over here. Um, in, in, I know I, I rattled through them very quickly last week, but Proverbs 19.23, the fear of the Lord leads to life. And whoever has it rests satisfied. Rests satisfied. Man, when you know how great your God is, or start getting high, you rest satisfied. Mm. Kind of sounds a little bit like Jesus said, Give, you drink this water and you'll never thirst again. You rest satisfied. You don't have to rush off to Joshmo's meeting and so-and-so's meetings because you're desperate to get another little touch from God at the meeting. No, 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 no. You're so full of God. If somebody pricked you, you would burst all over them. I'm not saying we don't hear teachers. Listen to me. I'm not saying we don't have. We need teachers, all of us, right? But I'm just saying that the fear of the God, when you you have this experience of the fear of God and, and you possess this reverential awe of how great your God is, you rest satisfied, according to Proverbs 19.23. And then, and then it says, and I mean, I read this in a few different translations, and I'm going to change the translation, Proverbs 16.6 to the, the King James Version. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. There is so much truth in there. Because that word mercy, in different translations, it's that word chesed, that no translator, and almost every translation will translate the word chesed differently. Because it's such a powerful word. Just to study the word chesed in Hebrew is phenomenal. Because it's tender mercies. Your, your mercies will endure forever. Kind, your compassions never fail. Uh, your love will never fail. Your, your, your tender mercy. I mean, there's so many words. The steadfast love. Some of them translate it steadfast love. Because there's no one English word for chesed. Faithful love, steadfast love, tender mercies, compassions, all of them get translated into English that way. But they're all kind of a picture of this immensely compassionate God, right? And then I read this in, in um, 
Acts 9, verse 31, and I spoke about the fear of the Lord, and it says that the church throughout New Testament, throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up, walking, listen to it, walking in the New Testament doesn't necessarily mean actually perambulating down the road. It means staying and staying in connection and keeping up with, staying, staying with it. It says walking in the fear of the Lord. The New Testament church walked in the fear of the Lord. And in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Do you want to see the church multiply? Are we living at a time where we're willing to, to, to take God, to go back to it, to get our hearts established in it and, 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 and get established in Him? So that we, if we walk in the fear of the Lord and the comfort, fellowship, connection of the Holy Spirit, it will multiply. It can't be anything else. It will multiply. I believe that's the point. The point of now, we're living at such a time as to do that. Yeah, because our God is a consuming fire. <laughs> and He loves you more than you can possibly know. Possibly know. And so we, to contrast, there is no paradox or apparent, there is an apparent contrast between the fear of God and and. And love, but as we've explained, there is really no there is really no difference. They're two attributes of God, and the one is not terror. The one is God. In fact, Jesus spoke against fear. In fact, he got ticked off at his disciples when they feared. Whenever he appears or an angel appears on the scene, what do they say? Fear not. Right. And so Jesus on that boat when they're all, oh, we're gonna die. Help me, we're gonna die. And Jesus wakes up, Jay, wake up, Jesus, we're gonna die. And he's like, Man, how long have you guys been with me? He wasn't upset because they didn't calm the storm. He was like incredulous because they were afraid. They feared. They were giving in to fear. Fear is a bad, bad motivator. It's like a shark feeding frenzy, a shark who has got blood in the water. Fear does that to people. We've just seen a great example of that over COVID. When you let your life and your decisions be dominated by fear, you or I will do stupid things. They won't make any logical sense because we are letting fear make the decisions, not God's love. Not established in faith. Not established. We're just like, let's just be afraid. Let's just run around. And we go like, what are they doing? What the, what, what's happening? It's because fear has been let in. And I believe that that, wasn't, that that was a strategy of the devil to create chaos and separation in the body of Christ and in everybody else. Be afraid of everybody and everything. Don't even go outside. Run, run, be afraid. Why? Well, because you might die. Oh. Now, this might offend some of you. I, I am not trying to offend you at all. But fear is never a good motivator, people. Never. If you let fear into your heart, you are not established in fear of God and in His love. Because when you get those established in your heart, and we are growing, okay? It's okay to grow. It's okay to grow and to get established. It's okay. 
It's okay to, you should have wisdom. I'm not saying you should take something out of context that I'm saying here and say, oh, well, you're just saying don't have any common sense. No, I'm not saying any of that. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying don't let fear make your decisions. Get established in who you are in Christ. Get established in who this is that you claim that you're in connection and relationship with. Because if you know Him, you experience eternal life, abundant life. If you know Him, not just know about Him, know Him. In fact, in 1 John 4, I'm going to read this out of the Living Bible. I like this. 1 John 4 verse 18 says this, and I love this compassion, uh, comparison. I don't know if you know if you, if you had it, Jen, the Living Bible, but it says, We have no fear of someone who loves us perfectly. His perfect love for us eliminates all dread of what He might do to us. If we are afraid... It is for fear of what He might do to us and shows that we are not fully convinced that He really loves us. You see, our love for Him comes as a result of His loving us first. Isn't that powerful? That's the living Bible. I just love that way that they paraphrase that because it, I think it captures it very powerfully. Again, I'm going to say it again. Listen to it carefully. We have no fear of someone who loves us perfectly. Guess who loves you perfectly? His perfect love for us eliminates all dread of what He might do to us. If we are afraid, it is for fear of what He might do to us and shows that we are not fully convinced that He really loves us. If you are experiencing fear from God of what you think God might do to you, you don't, you aren't, you don't really, you're not established in the truth that He loves you. You see, our love for Him comes as a result of His loving us first. I've said that many ways in different times. Because He loves us, because you receive that love, you can love Him in return. And that's what we saw with the woman who was forgiven when she, when she went and she wept over Jesus' feet, a prostitute. And Simon was thinking, eh, if he was a prophet, he should know who, what kind of woman this is. And Jesus just compassionately looks at her and he asks her the question, if who had a great debt and a smaller debt and the, the, the debt was wiped out, who would love more? And Simon says, probably the one with the greater debt. And he said, you answered correctly, this woman whose sins are many. You see, the truth is that no, none of us have got greater debt we all have the same amount of debt before God, but if we're aware of how much we are actually forgiven, we will love in correspondent to that understanding. When you are aware how much God loves you, has forgiven you, I'm going to start. If you, when you are aware just how much you are forgiven, you know what? You're not so quick to hold it against your brother. Or somebody, if you have a struggle, if you struggle with forgiving others, you're self-righteous. I'm, I'm going to say that harshly so that I hope you get a little bit. Because you think you're better than them. But when you come, when you come to Jesus and you understand, hold on, I am as forgiven as they are. I'm not, ex nobody is excusing their mistake. That's not about it. It's not by, it's not by saying 
oh, you're saying that I should just say that's not a mistake. No, 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 no. That's not what I said. I'm talking about forgiving, holding forgiveness in your heart. You being judge, jury, and executioner in your heart because you're so busy pointing fingers at the speck in their eyes that you don't see the log in yours. When you're aware that you have logs, then you're not so quick to worry about somebody else's specks. That's what Jesus tried to say it in different ways. Does that make sense? So what we've got to do is come to Jesus and say, wow, man, yes, I was a dirty sinner, but I'm no longer a dirty sinner because I was saved by grace. Why, Shannon, are you laboring this? This is so important because where I want to go in, in this series is that is as, when we get a hold of these truths, they will empower us to live victoriously and to reign in life. They will empower you and I to have victory over sin. If you have struggled with sin, sins of thought or intentional sins or unintentional sins or whatever, unknowns, whatever, if you've struggled, and look, everybody does. If you don't think you struggle with sin, you've got a problem. Seriously. The Apostle John said it that way. If anybody says he's without sin, he's a liar and the truth is not in him. But sin is destructive. Sin is destructive. Sin will give you less of a life, and it will not only hurt you, it will hurt your family, it will hurt your friends, it will hurt your church, it will hurt the kingdom, etc., etc., etc. If we, though, there are, there is, and that's why we're going to talk about victorious, because we can live like Jesus lived. Jesus was a man who had emptied himself, by the way, I mean, that's a whole other thing. I'm going to just finish off here because I could go on forever. Jesus was a man, people. Do you know that he emptied himself of his divinity? I don't even think that we believe that in the church. I hear preachers say it all the time. Well, Jesus just did this, and, you know, he knew everything because he was the Son of God. No, he didn't. We say, oh, no, we believe Jesus came as a man. Yes, but we really don't. Because if I have to start asking you questions like, really, you really believe he came as a man, huh? You really believe, according to Philippians 2, what it's written there, that he emptied himself and made himself of no repute, that he emptied himself of his divinity. Really? You really believe that? But then at the same time, they say, oh, you know, he, he was omniscient. He wasn't omniscient. He had emptied himself of his God attributes. I could go on and on and on because like the woman who touched him and he's like, who, who touched me? He wasn't pretending to lie. He actually knew who touched him because he's the son of God. No, he didn't know who touched him. He wasn't shown that by the Holy Spirit because he was a man anointed, by the way. I know this is, you've heard this all day long, right? No. But he was a man emptied. He is the exact model. That's why we can model and do him. We just can be like Jesus of Nazareth, who was a man anointed, a man anointed by the Holy Spirit, by, with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all. He was a man anointed. In fact, the Bible says this in 1 John, if you go and study it out, it says if you don't believe he came as a man, you're operating under the spirit of Antichrist. Oh, 
Antichrist. I know, no, no, and I mean, you just say the word and everybody thinks, oh, rapture and old guy at the end of times who's going. No, 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 the spirit of Antichrist has been around. It's anti the anointing, anti the anointed one. Ah, Christos. The anointed one is Christ, anti the anointing, anointed one. You see, because it is, when you get a hold of just that little nugget of truth, then it's like, hold on a second. If Jesus could, I could. Uh-huh. That's why Jesus said, these things that I did, you will do also. So I probably chased a bunch of people away last week, and I probably chased... I'm not trying to chase people away, people. I'm telling you, listen, you've got to soak in these truths because if you want to get on board and have a victorious life and an abundant life, you've got to lay hold of these truths. It doesn't matter if you've got to listen to this message a hundred times. Well, I'm not going to listen to it. I heard you what the first time. Yeah, me too. It takes time to soak in these things. It takes intention. Don't take my word for it. Don't listen to it again. If you go and go and check it out in the Word of God, please, please. I I, I don't claim to have it all together. I don't. I I know I don't have it all together. I know I've said things that I've like, oh, okay. I need to say that differently or figure out or God help me. And I can just tell you that I'm seeing from glory to glory as you walk in some of these things. So the choice is, what do you want to do? Amen. So, as we finish up here, just close your eyes a second and just set your intention again. Set your intention. If you're online and if you don't know this Jesus and you want to know this Jesus who loves you, this awesome God who is a consuming fire but who cares about you, and who moved heaven and earth so that he can step into relationship with you, that he could become one with you, then that's where it starts. Thank you for loving us, Father. We, we, we want to embark on this journey, this romance with you. We open our hearts to, to you, teacher to continue to teach us. You know, Proverbs 19, 27 says this, cease to hear instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. Teaching is important. God's word is important. But I like the way that the King James Version puts this. It says, cease, my son, to hear their instruction that causes to err from the words of knowledge. What instruction are you listening to? What traditions have you adopted? What have you accepted in your heart? I've asked you many times, I'll ask you again, are you prepared to change your mind? Are you prepared to let the Holy Spirit deal with you? Even if it's a simple prayer, don't say, don't even say it because Shannon's saying it. Just you say, take it to God right now and you say, Lord, I want to know truth because you are truth. I want to live victoriously. I don't want to live a nominal 
play Christian church life. I want reality. I want authenticity. I want a genuine, life-altering experience with you. Thank you, Jesus. I just hand that over to you. Thank you, teacher of the church, that you were, the, you were teaching us. We submit to what you teach us. We, we open our ears, as we said in the beginning, incline our hearts to hear what you have to say to us. I just sense such an awe here. Respond to that. Our God is a consuming fire. He is worthy of all honor. He is worthy of all glory. He is so much greater than we can ever know. And He loves you. He loves you. The goal has never been to be loved by Him. You are loved by Him. But what are you going to do with that knowledge? door to the relationship with God is opened by you from the inside. That's why we are told to ask, to seek, and to knock. When you set your intention to know Him, when you open the door, when you ask Him, you give Him permission to fellowship with you. But it is your choice. choose Lord I speak your wholeness in lives and bodies I thank you that you manifest your, your healing today in lives that will reach out and say Lord I need you I declare wholeness to minds that are plagued with depression and fear speak wholeness to bodies that are racked with pain, tendons, backs, and arms, left arm. I just speak release in Jesus' name. Wholeness, declare in Jesus' name. We honor you, Father. You are a great God. You are the only God. We honor you and give you all glory in Jesus' name. Amen.